0: disclaimer this episode does include gruesome details about true events viewer discretion is advised hello everybody and welcome back to the crime vine podcast i'm your host felicity brooke and if you are new here basically this is a true crime and conspiracy theory podcast we stick more on the true crime side because that's what you guys like more and let's be real that's kind of like what I like to cover a little bit more it's a little more interesting and I don't really see a conspiracy theory that's like long enough and as dramatic as say a true crime case and I wouldn't be able to do a decent length episode on that because let's be real who wants to tune in every week for a 12 minute episode like you really just made me wait a week for 12 minutes nah nah we're not doing that we don't play that way well I did once but that's besides the point Um, I like to stick with cases that aren't as widely known across the globe, so I don't want to be like any other, say, YouTuber or podcast who everyone covers Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy? Ted Bundy. Let's be real. How many times can we hear this case of Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy, but in different wordings and different variations? Like... it just gets a little redundant so we like to stick with cases that people don't really know about because I mean everyone's case is just as important as the next everyone deserves justice and if you have answers out there about this case then maybe this will spark you to do something about it to help find this case to help close this case I words are not a a thing right now um it is really early in the morning I have to go to work soon so I'm trying to record this but and everything is against me. This is like my sixth time recording this episode, but you guys didn't hear. You didn't click on this to listen to me talk about or complain. So, anyway, um, this case, let me tell you, it's not like your typical true crime case. It's a little odd. I had never heard about this case until I accidentally stumbled upon it a couple days ago, research. And then I started researching and I was like, holy shit, this is intense. This is crazy. This is weird. This is interesting. And it happened in the early 90s or not 90s 1900s so it's a bit of an old case so um information was a little sparse so couldn't find as much but I did get enough to tell the juicy story because this is intense you guys I do want to say though if you are in a car listening to this with children or you're cleaning your house and children are around or if there is children around you anywhere someone young with sensitive ears do not play this episode in front of them come back to it when they're not around because this does include some incest let me tell you and that is not appropriate for children so um yes come back to it if there are kids around but anyway if you don't have children around welcome why don't you go ahead and grab yourselves a drink because this vine will rope you in Barbara Daly was born in 1922 in Boston, Massachusetts, to Nene and Frank Daly. Nene had actually experienced a nervous breakdown a couple years before Barbara was born. It doesn't go unnoticed that Barbara would later on inherit Nene's emotional instability and erratic behavior. While her mother was still trying to cope with her own nervous breakdown and was coming to terms with the birth of her daughter, she received a rude shock when her husband committed suicide in 1932. Barbara was just 10 years old at this time. Her father had actually died of a planned carbon monoxide poisoning that occurred as he purposely locked himself in his car and inhaled fumes from his exhaust pipe. He apparently wanted to mislead people into believing that it was an accident so that his wife and daughter could claim his insurance money. Sketchy motherfucker, let me tell ya. On collecting the insurance payment, Barbara and her mother shifted to the DeMonaco Hotel in New York City. Now the DeMonaco Hotel is known as Trump Park Avenue after Trump bought it, and it is located on Park Avenue. Obviously. All throughout her childhood, Barbara actually suffered from severe mental illness. Now pause. Mental illness in this time was not accepted. Like if you went to see a therapist or a psychiatrist, you were deemed crazy. So everyone just kept it very on the DL if they had to do either of these things or they just didn't see a therapist or a psychiatrist. So Nini and Barbara kept this a huge secret because they didn't want anyone to think that these women were crazy even though they actually were. As Barbara grew up to be a glamorous young woman, she became a celebrated socialite in New York and began her career as a model, aiming to be a Hollywood star. Thanks to her stunning looks, she got regular modeling assignments with reputed fashion publications such as Harper's Bazaar and Vogue, and she was even considered one of New York's top 10 most beautiful girls. Okay. Now we all know that men in this time were pigs. I'm talking mostly rich men. They took a keen interest to Barbara because she was very good looking. And of course, because of her looks, she was invited to the glitziest parties and she gradually became a constant fixture in high society circles. Her looks attracted many men who were apart from elite class and hailed from ultra rich families. Like I'm talking rich, rich. Like there's rich tiers of rich and these men were old money rich. Eventually, Barbara was asked to screen test a movie in Hollywood where she met Dana Andrews. However, this golden career opportunity did not culminate in film stardom for Barbara, but led to her meeting Cornelia Bakeland. Another aspiring actor, much like her. Her friendship with Cornelia eventually returned rich dividends. Cornelia introduced her to Brooks Bakeland, her younger brother, who was then associated with the Royal Canadian Air Force as a trainee pilot. Brooks' grandfather was Leo Bakeland. Now, Leo Bakeland was a U.S. industrial chemist who helped found the modern plastics industry through his invention of Bakelite. Brooks and Barbara made a really good looking couple as they were both incredibly attractive and led flamboyant lifestyles. But as we know, Barbara is kind of crazy. She cray. And Brooks started to notice that more and more and was like, uh-uh, this isn't going to work. Like, I'm to head out now type of vibe. But what did Barbara do? She pulled the pregnancy card. Cue gasp here. I know. What a bitch. Now, of course, this wedding was huge. Everyone who is anyone was there. The rich of the rich, like literally everybody was there. So they get married and she tells Brooks, hey, funny story, so um, actually, I'm not pregnant. And to say he was mad was an understatement. Besides this fact, the first year of their married life wasn't so bad. They surrounded themselves with rich and famous friends who kept them entertained at numerous parties that took place in exotic locations such as Paris and Manhattan. These crazy parties were characterized by endless flowing alcohol, sexual experimentation, and stimulating music. Now as most of us know, this type of lifestyle doesn't last forever. Barbara's mental health started to come in between the relationship. She was always having offensive outbursts and unstable character and multiple suicide attempts. Her emotional issues got even worse because of her drinking habit, drug abuse, insecurity, multiple affairs and deafening relationship with her husband. Now it's 1946 and Barbara actually gets pregnant for real this time, she wasn't lying. And they had a beautiful baby boy named Anthony. And this kind of put the marriage to ease for a little while, for the baby's sake. Antony was apparently smart, intelligent, and stunning, just like his socialite parents, who had lofty dreams about their son and thought that he would become a celebrated writer, fine painter, polo player of repute, and much, much more. So the family decided to move to Paris for a little while. While they were in Paris, Brooks met a girl, (laughs) shocker. And he fell in love with her, and he wanted to spend the rest of his life with her. But here's the catch. She was only 15. (laughs) Because that's not illegal or anything. Barbara obviously did not like this at all, and she got jealous. Not only that, but Brooks told Barbara that he wanted a divorce so that he could marry this other girl. Barbara was pissed. So what did Barbara do? She tried to commit suicide again. And by tried, I mean she didn't actually want to die. She just wanted to scare Brooks into staying with her. And it worked. He told her that he would break it off with the other girl and that he doesn't want a divorce anymore. So Tony, the son, decided that he wanted to travel the world, which he was a rich kid so he could literally do anything. And Tony also developed mental issues and started requiring psychiatric care just like his mother. Tony suffered from schizophrenia and often demonstrated paranoid tendencies. So Tony actually settled in Italy and he roomed with an Australian man. His roommate was gay and Tony and Jake, which was his roommate, began a romantic relationship. Obviously, the two kept this very quiet because this was, again, a very different time than it is today and this was not accepted and it was very, for lack of better word, taboo. Eventually Tony told Barbara about his relationship with Jay Cooper and she was not having it. She went as far as hiring prostitutes to turn her son back straight. She even called one of her friends who had a daughter named Sylvie and she basically had them sleep together so he would realize that he wasn't actually gay. But of course, none of this worked. In 1968, Brooks finally walked out of the marriage for an attractive young seductress. And guess what that attractive young seductress's name was? Sylvie. Who just so happened to be the same girl that was sleeping with his son. Because that's not weird. After the eventual divorce, Barbara moved in with her son, Antony. And they gradually became obsessively codependent. All right. Now grab your wigs. Grab whatever is about to snatch off of you. Because this is where things get a little crazy. And by a little crazy, I mean totally and utterly fucked up. Okay, don't let Barbara fool you. She wasn't Little Miss Innocent. She was also having affairs with men while she was still married to Brooks. And she had been told that she was (laughs) great in the bedroom. So, she came to the conclusion that she would be the one, since the other women aren't working, to turn her son back straight. That is how prideful this woman is. She is so into herself that she had this disgusting, appalling idea. These two, I don't know why Antony agreed to this, but these two started having a romantic involvement. And they actually also had a threesome with... Um, Jay Cooper, which was Antony's roommate, alt-slash partner. Yes, shit's a little crazy. On November 17th, 1972, Antony actually stabbed his overindulgent mother to death. When police arrived, they found Antony ordering a Chinese meal and he fully, 100% said, yeah, I did it. She was just getting a little annoying. Like, she was on my case all the time. Like, i did it yes i'm guilty if you guys you guys can't see my face right now but oh my goodness shock okay now side note some reports said that he was living with his mother in london and some said italy so i'm not entirely sure where this all took place since this did happen so long ago there isn't much information out there at his old bailey trial which began on june 6th, 1973 Witnesses told of the possibility of an incestuous relationship between Antony and his mother. His defense was one of diminished responsibility, which was successfully argued, and he was found guilty of the lesser charge of manslaughter, and he was sent to Broadmoor. He was discharged from Broadmoor in July 1980, and he went to live with his grandmother in New York. He had only been there a week before he attacked the elderly woman because she nagged him. And he was locked up on Rikers Island and committed suicide there on March 21st, 1981. All right, what do you guys think about that case? I think it is completely messed up and it is really disgusting, honestly. Like, she thought that she could fix her son that uh, she could like sleep the gay out of him but that's not how that works and also that's really freaking disgusting and she was so into herself that she's like i have got the best around like i'm great i'm amazing yeah she was a fucked up woman we know um but sh- what what let me tell you when i was researching this case and when i was like oh this isn't even a true crime case it's just like a a mystery case should i even you know like cover this case and then it got to the murder and I was like oh my goodness where did that come from like that was out of nowhere and Anthony had the same mental health issues and he had he was schizophrenic so I mean I guess that like makes sense with the violent behaviors but I don't know what actually ended up happening with Brooks and Sylvie Um, that was literally nowhere to be found like once Brooks married Sylvie it was kind of like he's out of the picture done with him type thing. I know there was like a lot of people in this case. Um, it yes, I hope you guys were able to keep tabs on everybody and follow along. Um, but again, I don't know. So some reports said that he killed her in London. So I don't know if he settled in Italy and then moved to London a little bit later. And that's where his mom, um, uh, ended up living with him. Um, because I was seeing Italy and London. The main thing I was seeing is that she was killed in London. So I'm guessing that he just picked up and moved at one point or another. Um, but yeah, so there's also a movie based on this case. Is Can you call this a case? Is this a case? Yes, I think it's a case. Um, it's called Save Grace or Saving Grace or Saved Grace or something with save and grace. So it's with Julianne Moore, um, I think it was made in 2007, you guys, oh my goodness, I didn't even watch the movie, I watched a trailer because it's more like a fictional take on the movie, I believe, um, but I watched the trailer and I was so disgusted, like she was so into it, so into it, and like why would you even have that idea, that just freaks me out, like oh my goodness, oh my goodness. But anyway, so I want to hear what you guys think on this case. This is wild. Like I told you, that's exactly why I said no children around because they don't need to be introduced to the fucked up world of incest out there at such a young age. I mean, I don't even know why this is a thing. Well, it was with this particular case but I don't even know if it's still a thing if it is why why do people have to do that I don't understand but I want to know your guys' thoughts on this I are you just as appalled as I am because I didn't even really want to cover this case because I was like okay this is really fucked up but at the same time I was like "Mm, but it's really 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 interesting like really interesting so I covered it (laughs) look where we are um, I want to go know you guys' thoughts, like I said, like 50,000 times about now. Also, if you guys can please rate and review this podcast on whatever platform you are listening to, it'll greatly help me out. And also, if you want to head over to my Instagram, it's at the Crime Vine Podcast. I do post a lot of memes over there, so if you have a true crime sense of humor, that is the place for you. And then also, I'm on Twitter at the Crime Vine P O that is more so where... I give updates on cases or like I just um, tweet other tweets. (laughs) What else do you do on Twitter? Um, But yeah, so thank you guys all so much for listening and I will talk to you guys in my next podcast episode.